Welcome to the Seattle Public Library's Podcasts for Teens. These teen podcasts are by teens and for teens. They run the gamut from author readings and music performances to discussions and book reviews by the Teen Center Advisors. These podcasts are brought to you by the Seattle Public Library and Foundation with the help of the library's teen advisors. To learn more about our teen programs, including how to become a Teen Center Advisor, visit our website at www.spl.org. To learn how you can help the library by volunteering or supporting its foundation, go to www.foundation.spl.org. All right, good evening, everybody. How's it going? Thanks for coming to the library tonight. Uh, My name is Hayden Bass. I'm a teen services librarian here at Central Library. I should mention that they are brought to you today by the Seattle Public Library Foundation. The foundation is made up of thousands of people in our community who give gifts large and small to support our libraries. Um, To all the foundation donors who are here with us today, thank you so much for your support. Just a little bit of background on this event. Students at Roosevelt High regularly host open mic nights, and um, students the past couple years from Roosevelt have had the great idea that they wanted to open it up to students from other high schools as well and find a good neutral ground like the the downtown library for everyone to perform. Um, So this year, Mason Brewer took on this task of organizing and promoting this event, so let's give him a big round of applause. Thank you for all of you who came out. I will be starting it off. Uh, and then we'll just be going down the sign-up sheet, and uh, like Ms. Bass said, if you are going to perform, just sign up and then sign a little form that says you're okay with being uh, recorded. So um, I'm going to start off with uh, the beginning of a, a short story that I wrote. Laying in the meadow, strength quickly allowed me a mild range of motion. The first to begin its ascent to movement was my, ha- was my head, rotating slowly and with great effort. Following close behind were my arms, renting themselves from gravity's pull. Next, my abdomen bolted into action, swinging my upper body skyward, but not quite able to get a strong in- into a strong sitting position, I, flock- I flopped back down. With no little effort, I managed to pull one leg bent up. With my arms now relatively easy to move, I started moving my fingers, watching each little muscle pulse with animation. The first thing I heard was thumping. It started quietly, a methodic drumming from a far-off position. Quickly, however, it got louder. The thumping grew stronger as it charged my position. It wasn't just one beat, though. It was two. Only the second beat was just behind the first, as if it were chasing. This resulted in the first beat not being able to quite finish, the second beat cutting it short. Now, the beat was pounding my ears. My my head spun in agony. My head throbbed with the drum of malicious, with the malicious intender. I tried finding the direction of the noise, but to no avail. So strong and loud now was the drumming that seemed to come at me from all angles. I saw a rustle of bushes to my left. I didn't hear anything but that infernal drumming banging my temples together. Out, out of the bushes, a man stumbled, clad in leather. I only got a glimpse of him, as the beating was too much at this point. I let darkness envelop me into a state of unconsciousness, the beat following me into the, the abyss. The thump. The thump. The thump. Thank you.
Okay, and uh, now we'll be hearing from Adam Gruenbaum from Cleveland High School. So this is a poem called Windows. It's a test. One of those, oh crap, I need to study, oh god, I'm going to fail, huh, this is actually pretty easy tests. And to lower my horse race of a pulse, I take some time for nothing. Light floods in through four tall windows opposite the room from me. Each offers a snatch of blue sky. Each offers a snippet of a picture. My eyes strain, trying to see both the light they show and the darkness in between them, as though they are trying to balance what I know is important and what I assign value to, as though this classroom is important. We take this glass and use it to separate ourselves from the world because we don't want to see it. Because we want to see it, because we do not want to, but we do not want to feel it. Because our dark humanity somehow has more value than the fresh air in our lungs. Four windows to another world share a broken story with my light blinded eyes. I in this dark classroom reality, share, stare through my segmented windows at the people around me. On these dividing walls, I see people as though they end 10 feet in front of me. I look at the part of them that I assign value to, and I decide that I know them. And yet through glassine experiences, I find windows to the soul. Each offers a snatch at humanity. Each offers a snippet of personality. And through these windows, I find light. My eyes burn as they attempt to adjust, and it would be easier simply to look away, but the moment I looked, I realized that this blue sky, filled with trees and fresh air, is what I truly yearn for. And in a society which tells me to see but not feel, to value not what I know is important, how might I find my strength to reach out and smash these windows to the soul? Thank you, Adam. Uh, next up is Sarah Bowen from Roosevelt High School. Hi, um, I'm going to read a poem called The Ghost of Macbeth, and I'm reading Macbeth in school right now, so much inspired. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Their toes drag stiff bodies through these days. Their moans echo against the rain, against the gray clouds. Through packed corridors, driven through moldy streets, herded to their cages to stay in solidarity, begging the seconds for mercy, but the clock chants on till tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow become yesterday, then yesterday, another yesterday creeps in this petty pace from day to day. They wander, their toes dragging limp bodies through the empty fields, feet pounding withered grass, heads pounding with the tick of hours vanishing, heads pounding with tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, become yesterday, then yesterday, another yesterday, another yesterday which displayed a fatal path, Another yesterday which forced their toes into crowded sidewalks, pushing their rigid bodies into claustrophobic tunnels into depths still further down and down and down and down where tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow no longer reside, are no more. Tomorrow, since all our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to dusty death. 
Their toes drag limp shadows these days, shadows stumbling down moldy streets. Shadow whispers fill the crowded corridors, whispers haunt the curled twigs of solitary trees ground between shingles of concrete. And the clock chants on till shadows whispers drown in crackling of deadened leaves till tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow become yesterday, then yesterday, another yesterday where life is a walking shadow. They hurry by, their wrinkled faces blur into a foggy frame, and I, the ghost, watch their lives past, and each tomorrow brings new yesterdays in which lives evaporate into dust, into nothing. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty pace from day to day, and all our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to dusty death. Life is a walking shadow full of sound and fury signifying nothing. Thank you. Okay, and next up we have Megan from Nathan Hale. Hi. Um, this is Closer to the Underground. It is a man standing on a crowd, singing to the beat of the stage, heart so immersed in the soul he may drown. It is the feeling that you can jump right off a cliff, off a bridge, off the world, and know that the music will not let you fall. It is believing that in that moment you are being called to war, and only your pounding cries can keep you on the ground. It is knowing that the thump of the sound swirling through your brothers and sisters around you is the only thing keeping your heart from slowing down. It is the bass, the drums, the strings, the words, the tremble in his voice, the longing for more winds down, and the song closes on the ends of your lips. Then, long after the lights have died and the souls have all fled, my chest still vibrates from the underground echoes, those hurricanes of heartbeats, as I turn up the volume of my breath and let loose a scream, trying to free the notes that have seeped through my skin. So tell me if you'll risk it, this journey that I am taking from heaven into hell, following the simple beating of my heart. And as the days go by before us like half-remembered dreams, the nights go up in flames from our shaking, from feeling those shivers that go down the spines of all who have heard those words. Now we have come back to the beginning, the start of the end of it all, trying to recall what it is we really want, dead or alive, to face our sins or lies. But then his voice rises up and the dawn shines on this darkness inside us as our eyes close and our bodies sway to this hypnotizing music once again. Thank you. And next up we have Bradford from Finn Hill. I did not come entirely prepared for this, so I just wrote something up. It's somewhat short to the others, but I think it gives a pretty good idea of what society's like these days. Once upon a golden day, when life was healthy and thoughts were pure, justice resolved all issues, and the government was just. But nothing lasted forever, as dreams faded to dust and were replaced by the marred visions of what society should look like. And dream became reality, as innocence was replaced by guilt, happiness was replaced by sorrow, and health was replaced by pain. Yet the evil revolution pressed onward. The once fresh air was corrupted by the waste that emitted from the smokestacks. The beautiful night skies were obliterated by the towering skyscrapers that populate our very streets, obscuring the grace of the dark. The last remaining flame of hope for a peaceful world is near extinguished, but it's still there. We can't let it die out if we are to remain on this earth. This piece of mine is called Honor Bound. 
The path of war is a terrible one. The days of romantics is over, long replaced by gruesome truths. The mongrels of war for half a century have led a trail of dishonorable occupations, of undeserving countries. Long forgotten are the honest virtues of great wars past. Our current situation, so hopeless, so horrible, but a copyrighted remastered 55. Yet, my feelings towards war conflict with its horrors. Blown bodies and stories of PTSD clash with euphoric uniforms and, and fairy tale heroics. The boyhood lure of enlistment have n I have not outgrown. No amount of berating can expel the feeling, the feeling of not of spite or lust or macabre thrill, but of love for this country and the people who stand upon it. I don't justify occupation. I justify dying for a belief, for a cause, for the ones who surround me day in and day out. Less the lure of the ignorant, more the lure that runs my bloodline back to my grandfather, to his grandfather, for our forefathers, who to war was, unnece was necessary when your loved ones are on the line. Thank you. Okay, so some people have uh, offered to go again. So um, we'll, we'll have the next person in, in line, which would be Sarah again. Hi, this poem is called The Hammer. There's a wall built brick by brick over the years. He took his quaking heart and dug a hole, and on top of unspoken words, piled stones brick by brick to stop the trembling from cracking his wall. She took her quavering heart and pushed it into the dirt, and on top of unspoken words, stacked rocks brick by brick next to his wall to prevent the desires from smashing her friendship. By repairing the holes in the wall, she hopes to build a smile. She convinced herself that good neighbors, best friends, could remain good neighbors, best friends. They could remain. She has a hammer that could shatter the wall, that could uncover their faces, that could knit a truth. She has a hammer, and sometimes she holds it high above her head, but then she drops it down again, for she is convinced that walls make good neighbors, best friends. Every day he presses his ear to the wall and listens as he stacks stones stronger, brick by brick. As he stacks stones stronger, he holds a chisel to the base and taps, hits, pounds. He breaks off chunks brick by brick, and he yearns for a glimpse of her smile. But he is not strong enough. He is not brave enough. He is weak. The wall settles into his arms and crushes his hands, and the wall keeps building brick by brick faster than he can tear away. I watch and I plead and I wait and I could take the hammer from her and I could smash this wall between them and I could reveal that smile on their faces, but I have built a wall. I too have built a wall brick by brick. I built this wall stacked with fear and uncertainty and caution for I could take the hammer and smash the wall and reveal that smile, but smiles are delicate and hearts are more. And by smashing this wall to reveal their smiles, I might smash their hearts for my smile is buried in the earth under their hearts and I am afraid of the truth the hammer might knit. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, next is Adam Gruenbaum. So this is a poem about the space I create for myself to do a lot of my writing. 
this pool of light, a yellow brightness from the lamp above my shoulder, blends into darkness at the edge of my room, too subtly for me to visualize. This pool of light makes writing possible in a darkened room. This pool of light protects me from the darkness and shelters me, making me safe so I can write. Yet, there is a light switch only feet to my left, a switch to light up the whole room, but it is off, the room in darkened, except for this pool of light. Why is it that I feel safer than if I flip the switch? As though to truly feel like I am safe from the darkness, I must be reminded that it is there. This pool of light is as much a part of me as I am of it. This pool of light is as much a part of the darkness as the darkness is of it, because shadows seep everywhere in this pool of light. But I am not afraid of them, and nor am I truly afraid of the darkness that surrounds me, because the darkness isn't bad any more than the light is good, because only together can they make a space where my mind can flow like the ink. Next up, we have Megan from Nathan Hale. Uh, this is a story I wrote called The Aftermath. As a warning, is a tad dark. Um, her eyes were that of strawberries, bright red with almost unnoticeable flecks of black. They seemed to stare into her soul, seemed to read her mind. Those damned eyes bored into her and made her become a statue, yet shake at the same time. She felt her spine had frozen over while she caught flame from the intensity of the stare. Serenity, the red-eyed girl said strongly, voice ringing through the apartment. Put the gun down. As if, as if it had been called, the gun began to shake. The small machine seemed to whisper in her head, telling her that it was all right. That just one flex of her finger would make it all go away. That the shadows would, would stop stalking her and the voices would finally be silent. Serenity. She looked through her tears at the albino girl before her. Her red eyes seemed to glow in the dark coffin of the room like a demon come to take, him, come to take her down, down, down to pay her dues. The gun seemed to shine, drawing her eyes to look at it. The bright silver metal reflected, reflected her face back to it. It was distorted, the blue eyes stretching, and the strawberry red lips pulled down a deep frown. Serenity looked away from the image and placed the tip of the pistol back to the side of her head. I said, put the gun down, Serenity, the voice of the red-eyed girl warned again. She took a few steps closer to where Serenity was kneeling, hands stretched forward. The crying girl shook her head slowly, not being able to look her friend in the eye. The tears continued to run down Serenity's face. They tasted of salt as they touched her lips and raced over her tongue. They gathered above the frog in her throat before she swallowed it down and choked out, I have to. No, you don't, the Albano girl said, continuously coming closer a step at a time, afraid that at any second the blue-eyed girl's finger would curl and the wall would be splattered in red. No, you don't, Serenity. Yes, I do, Bianca, said the kneeling figure. You don't understand. They, they keep talking to me. They'll never leave me alone unless I, unless I do this. Bianca was less than a foot away, but did not move. Her heartbeat pounded in her ears, making the room pulse. I can help you, Serenity, I promise, Bianca swore, though how she could help, she didn't know. She just had to get the gun away from her friend. Ever since the accident, Serenity had been the same, claiming that something was haunting her steps, that she was never alone, and whispers that cried that it had been her fault. But Bianca had ignored it, and now a terrible price was about to be paid. Serenity looked up, eyes huge and blue, windows that reflected the curled-up soul that wanted to be free of all the hurt and pain. I hear him, she whispered, voice croaking. Every night he speaks to me. 
Serenity, Bianca said gently, trying to mimic the soft tone of a comforting mother. Cecile's death was not your fault. Her eyes were that of clear summer days, a, a picture of her old self, serene and happy, a smile in the pictures that draws you closer, the light laughter brighter than the stars. For a moment, serenity was who she had been. Her bright red lips stretched upwards, making the bottom of those damned eyes crinkle. Bianca was hopeful for a heartbeat, then heard the click and knew it was over. Bang! Red painted the walls, the floor, her shirt, her soul. It flew like a bird through the room and seemed to drain all the colors, leaving only black and white, until the red was the only thing left. Her lips were still in that small smile, as delicate and bright as a strawberry. Beep, 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 beep. Bianca watched the line jump up and down, painting a picture of life in a single stroke. The tone vibrated through the room, stealing away all other sounds. Her red eyes looked only at the line, refusing to look at those drained lips, the closed eyes, and the white bandages. Coma, toast, coma, toast. The words echoed through her mind like the machine was reminding her of the doctor's words. No, memories, no, memories. Each sound beat against her skull, seeped through her skin, and raced through her heart. Bianca looked at her friend. The bandages looked thick as rope as they held the girl together. New lines marked her face as if her experience had aged her. They had cut away her brown hair so to extract the bullet, the one that hadn't killed her, the bullet that had taken away her memories. In the end, Bianca knew two things. Serenity would live, but not because of Bianca, but because of a bullet to the head. Thank you. And next up we have Jen. I'm going to be singing a song from Tara Swift. Um, it's, what is it? Uh, I forgot when I get in front of people, I'm really nervous. Um, Romeo and Juliet. Okay. <laughs> we were both young when I first saw you I closed my eyes in the flashback star I'm standing there on the balcony of summer air See the lights, see the party, the ball gowns See you make your way through the crowd and say hello Little did I know that you were Romeo, you were throwing pebbles And my daddy said stay away from Juliet And I was crying on the staircase begging you please don't go And I said Romeo take me somewhere we can be alone I'll be waiting, all there's left to do is run You'll be the prince and I'll be the princess It's a love story, baby, just say yes and I sneak out to the garden to see you We keep quiet cause we're dead if they knew So close your eyes and escape this town for a little while ow, ow. Oh, oh, cause you were Romeo, I was scrubbing letter And my daddy said stay away from Juliet But you made everything to me, I was begging you please don't go I said, Romeo, take me somewhere we can be alone. I'll be waiting. All there's left to do is run. You'll be the prince and I'll be the princess. It's a love story, baby, just say yes. Romeo, save me. 
to try and tell me how I feel This love is difficult, but it is real Don't be afraid, we'll make it out of this mess It's a love story, baby, just say yes Oh, 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 oh. And I got tired of waiting Wondering if you were ever coming around My faith in you was fading When I met you on the outskirts of town I said, Romeo, save me I've been feeling so alone I keep waiting for you But you never come as this in my head I don't know what to think Now to the ground and put out a ring And said, marry me, Juliet You never have to be alone I love you and that's all I really know Talk to your dad, go pick out a white dress It's a love story, baby, just say yes Oh, 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 oh Cause we were both young when I first saw you This poem is called My Basement. The world outside, the hustle of a city, illuminated by Apollo's shine, layered upon the ground, showing light brights of a p passing day. I see none of this, while sat bent over my beechwood workbench, locked in my basement by study for a reward. Here, there is no day or night, only a spectrum of gray of the slammed shut shades by a mind's pulled eye, surrounded by muck-green boredom, illuminated by the glowed dull of fluorescent adolescence. Textbooks, essays, hands out, flash before my eyes like, a picture, like pictures of a college, overlapping each other from a, from a day of half-minded concentration, longing for a taste of the outside, only makes the work more. Okay, so we'll just um, have Sarah and Adam perform again, and then uh, and they will be wrapping up the event. So let's have Adam down here. So this is a poem um, about a friend of mine who performed at my school's last poetry slam and didn't do as well as he liked. Um, and I still haven't gotten around to reading it to him, but I'm going to read it for you now. I sucked. Two words that should never be said as I come to congratulate you. 632 seconds ago, I learned to understand in the silences between your words. The boy on stage isn't sure how to say this, but... Bent over your chair, staring at your laptop, I love this poem. I'm not sure you believe me, but that's okay. And a man's muscles tear up grass to bend reality. I had you beat, but I can never beat you in cleats. This is your domain. In a wife beater in skinnies, the universe conspires to right the wrong, and a man breaks physics and bends reality for a white plastic disc. But he can't bend to pick up a white piece of paper. You feel like you failed, like here in the light your confidence has forsaken you, but you were not here to see my knees tremble. You deem me a god, but I could barely stand. You cannot understand my understanding of your pain.
And I would that I could stand in the bright lights again, knees trembling, feet shifting to keep me from falling, because even that was easier than reading to your open face, bearing my soul, a boy's face. And you tell me I have touched your soul, but you have touched me deeper in ways you cannot begin to understand. You've touched me as a boy, and you've touched me as a man, because it takes a boy to bend reality but it takes a man to stand in the silence and still have something to say. Okay, now I'm up, sir. Up here. Hi. Um, so I actually wanted to read two right now. So the first one is called To Me From He. I'm frightened. This is not the, there's monsters under my bed frightened, nor the, I think my teacher failed me frightened, but the frightened that, why would you ever do that frightened with five exclamation marks after it? I wish I could wiggle into your head and stop your hands, stop, stop those hands from doing what they've done. I wish I could wiggle into your head and fix your brain, rewire, unjumble, make your sharp angles calm again. I'm frightened for you, I'm scared for you, and I wish I could solve everything, but there's only so much a friend can do. I can try, I can fail and try again, but failure isn't really an answer. I'm frightened and I can try, but if I fail, I might end up with a body on my hands. Why would you do that with five exclamation points? Ah, 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 I can't try, I can't fail, but I can listen. I can listen to you, dear, though I'm frightened and I wish I could fix things. I can only listen and nod my head. I am sorry, I am sorry, I am so, so sorry. If only sorrow would make troubles evaporate. I feel a need to curl up under the covers and go to sleep, and I feel guilty about not calling you to listen to you scream at me. But the ears get tired, you know. The ears get tired, and these ears are tired of being frightened. I can listen to you, I can pretend to understand, but right now I need to curl up under my covers and sleep on your problems. I've kept it safe now. It's in the back of my closet somewhere, somewhere you can't find it. Somewhere you can't get it, somewhere you can't abuse it, where I feel it's safe. It's mine now. It's mine until you can prove to me that you won't misuse it, that you won't do this to yourself, that you won't hurt me by hurting you. You hurt me, and I'm frightened that you'll just hurt me more, so I listen. I can listen. You don't listen. No, you never listen. Maybe if you could hear, you would have never gotten tangled in yourself. But we both know that's not true. Will you listen to me? My second poem is called Numbers. When I was younger, I liked counting things. There were 10 fingers on my hand, six red doors on my block, 17 palm trees on the way to school, five big branches on the cherry tree. There were 28 big windows in my classroom, three blue slides on the playground, 178 books on my shelf, seven years in my life. Math, I said, was nothing more than counting, lots of counting, and if I could count high enough, one day I would discover a new number. Math, I said, was a label for everything, a way to categorize, and if I could label everything, one day I would discover something new. Somewhere in between being young and being younger, I stopped counting my toes, I stopped counting my pencils, I stopped counting with numbers. Somewhere in between being young and being younger, I discovered a new way to count. There were a few rainbows after a rain. There was too much homework a day. There were enough shirts in my closet. There were exactly the right number of eyes on my face. There were too few apologies, too many broken hearts, a paucity of pleasure, a plethora of pain, all living under a single blue sky.
Okay, now we have Megan. Okay, so. Um, this is the first short poem. It's uh, about the future. The future scares me. I don't know what's going to happen or how I'm going to get there, but I know it's going to happen. And it doesn't help that I'm scared of pain, because the only way to change is to feel pain, to feel something, and that's a challenge for me. My heart doesn't beat for someone, and my eyes aren't a book to be read. I can watch death with a blank, I can watch death with a blank face, but I cry in the presence of love. Why? And the future scares me, because someone once told me that love is pain, pain of the heart from loving too much, and pain of the soul from not being joined as one, forced to be two people instead of one. But I want it. Damn, I want it. I want to feel something, even if it's pain, because that pain reminds me that I am alive and I am here. I am here, and the future is here, and I'm going to meet it head on despite my fear, because curiosity killed me before, but the pain of satisfaction made my heart beat again, and maybe that's what love is. Satisfaction, and I think I can live with that. <laughs> and the second is um, called uh, My Perfect Place. My perfect place, a sweet escape. It would maybe be only me atop a hill, not a chill in the air, not a care in my head, lying on a bed of grass and pillows under a willow, reaching to the sky, blue as far as the eye can see. So dear, won't you join me here? Pull up a book, take a good long look, breathe it in, maybe grin. Don't you see? This is my serenity. Thank you. Okay, so that concludes our open mic. Uh, thank you guys for everyone who came out. Um, this podcast was presented by the Seattle Public Library and Foundation and made possible by your generous contributions to the Seattle Public Library Foundation. Thanks for listening.